Welcome to The Big Deal, where we unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and much more. Subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player and don't forget to sign up to www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Welcome to another episode of The Big Deal. I'm Andrew Montessi, joined again by AFL legend Warren Treadray. Now, Treaders, how'd you pull up from the AFL Grand Final? Well, if you're talking about how much I drank, I didn't drink anything. So uh, I was just sitting back at home watching the game going, how good is this? A ripping game of footy, a close result. I did pick Brisbane last week, but um, I think Collingwood were probably the better team for longer and they were the better team all year. Let's face it, they finished top and they executed when the pressure was at its highest. Now, Treaders, obviously it was a it was a packed house, but uh, as expected, Seven drew plenty of eyeballs. Yeah, they certainly did. And, you know, the good news for the Seven, uh, where the new ratings, uh, sorry, the new TV deal will kick in pretty soon, but uh, 22% rise on last year's ratings disaster. We remember that game between Geelong and Sydney is pretty well over at halftime. So that certainly wasn't the uh, the result that the AFL wanted after having a non-footy team in terms of well, a non-footy state in terms of Sydney uh, participating last year with a ratings horror. And this year they could face the same thing with Brisbane playing, but that wasn't the case. Um, ratings were pretty impressive. 3.855 million, so 3.86 almost million people. Uh, of that, 2.4 from the Metro uh, Regional, nearly a million. Uh, the BVOD, which is the streaming, which was pretty big, it was 443 people streaming the game on their devices. So some record streaming numbers there for the AFL, which is great. Um, and reality is uh, it was a great game of footy. So anyone who was half interested, whether you're a Queenslander who was just supporting Queensland and going for the, the double, the Broncos on the Sunday night in the NRL or the, and the AFL on the Saturday, would have hung around effectively to the final siren because the game was in the balance pretty much the whole time. The final series was a, a massive success from a broadcasting perspective. Even before the grand final, the series reached almost 8 million people. So I think uh, Seven Network and the AFL will be pretty pleased with that. Yeah, they would. And the Seven Networks had a massive year. Um, I think they won the ratings year um, just from TV in general. We can only go back, what, a couple of months and the Matildas um, doing so well in the World Cup. Those ratings were out of this world. Um, and let's face it, this is the second lot of uh, highest ratings uh, for the year at the AFL Grand Final. Normally, it, it takes the number one posse pretty easily. But um, for the AFL, sadly, the... Uh, the Matildas dominated in the World Cup for the women, dominated here, and Seven got a bumper deal, as we spoke about previously. But you look at this and you sit there and go, geez, that's pretty great. That's great. Eight million people reached, uh, seven million people in attendance, and that was before the finals kicked in. And arguably the biggest club in the land takes away the premiership. It was an amazing story, lots of different storylines. Craig McRae, three-time premiership uh, player with Brisbane, coaching Collingwood, taking on Collingwood, uh, his wife um, giving birth to their baby daughter, I think it was, at 7.30 that morning. Um, you know, let him sleep till the last minute before he had to come into hospital. He reveals that on the the, start, the final, uh, the podium, uh, stage podium for the AFL once they get the Premiership Cup. So it was a real family aspect, a real family feel, but also in a, a feel of excellence because everything Collingwood's done this year, even when they were challenged with injury and a little bit of form, Craig McRae, I, I 
I uh, when uh, played in an Irish series with him uh, many years ago, and he's a ripping fella. Uh, boy from Adelaide, uh, he's gone up to Brisbane, had a great career, then gone the coaching merry-go-round in terms of you know getting his badges effectively, as they would say in in Europe. But uh, to get the ultimate gig two years ago to take Collingwood from pretty much not a basket case, but in terms of where they finished on the ladder, way down to then you know get to a prelim final, and then all of a sudden. Uh, a year later, win a grand final in just his second year. It's an amazing achievement. Yeah, there was a bit of a strange one. Uh, Swans fans noted that one of the, one of their players, Robbie Fox, was hanging out with the Pies wearing a Magpies Guernsey. What did you think of that? Yeah, well, obviously he must be um, friends with uh, Brody Majacek or his mates were friends with him because um, that was where he was on the boundary line. Uh, Majacek leaning over the... Uh, the boundary fence and his mates cheering over the top. But one of them, as you said, was Sydney uh, player Robbie Fox. So he was wearing a Magpies jumper. Um, I guess from a human element, you're like, well, he's supporting his mate. There's not much in it. But as we say, from a business and commercial sense, um, Robbie Fox is a Swans player who was sponsored by QBE and whoever else they're sponsored by. Um, And he's wearing a Collingwood jumper looking at their logo. So... Clearly, from a commercial side, it's a no-no, particularly that the sponsors and the club are paying your salary. Um, but on the other side of it, I did see some photos too of um, Crows Ruckman, Riley O'Brien, and former Crow and current Bomber, Jake Kelly, who's dad CEO of Collingwood, in the Collingwood room, supporting a former teammate of theirs who was at the Crows and their mate, Billy Frampton. However, they were not wearing Collingwood uniforms. So I get this is a human element. There's more crossover than there's ever been before between you know players sharing the love, opposition teams. Back in my generation, mate, you wouldn't speak to the upper bloke. You know, even at a nightclub, you know, unless they bought you a drink or whatever. But it's like, you know, you, you normally keep that sort of it's very social nowadays, and maybe that's um it's a sign of the times. But yeah, I think when you put on a uh yeah, I think Sydney Swans will certain Tom Harley will certainly um pick the phone up and say, hey, mate, not a great look. Next time, just wear a jumper. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think um, I don't mind guys being in the rooms, um, you know, when the season's over and whatever. But the Guernsey thing, as a marketer, that oh, that makes my blood boil, to be honest. It's like, you know, these these sponsorship guys have done these deals, um, multi-million dollar deals, a lot of these ones. And then, um, you know, it. There's so there's a lot of uh, brand reputation, personal brand sponsorship dollars. It's all tied up, and I think uh, athletes just need to be a little bit smarter about that. Yeah, absolutely. But also, too, you talk about the rooms. That was the no go zone. You know, it probably still is a no go zone, um, and you'd feel awkward. Surely, that yeah. those blokes would have felt awkward going into an opposition change room, and you know, particularly Jake Kelly. I know his dad's the CEO, but he plays for Essendon. They're arch rival, so. Um, well, the world's changed a bit. It has. Now Now that we've got the, the granny out the way, we can get stuck into AFL trades. I mean, we've already been talking about it anyway, but now we can really throw ourselves into it. Uh, what's happening with the Crows? There's a little bit of a summary, Treaders. Well, it's for me, it's, it's all posturing this time of year because uh, I, I saw the news stations um, effectively do the doorstop interview when Tom Duday got back to Adelaide via the airport. And whether he's in Melbourne for the grand final, I'm not sure. But, you know, he's out of contract. He's a restricted free agent. The Crows can match the deal. We know that the Lions and Pies, both grand final teams, are interested in him. And he says, I haven't made a decision yet. Like, are we serious? Like, come on. Yeah, even if he just says, yeah, I made a decision, I'll be releasing that pretty soon. Um, Yeah, what I'm going to do. But to say he hasn't made a decision... 
The guy's been missing for three quarters of the season with an e-reconstruction. He knows the offers are on the table. Adelaide would have tabled their final offer and said, hey, we're not going any further than this. This is where it's at. And he'd have offers on the table from the Lions and Pies, which are the two teams that are interested. Uh, I think in a way we, we've grown up as an industry, but I think that's the last last gas saloon, that one, to say, you know what? Yeah, I've made a call. I'll, I'll be revealing that pretty soon, or at least I'm very, very close to making a call. I haven't made a call yet. Come on, give us a spell. Um, the other side too is you, you see there's lots of names being thrown around. Um, Elliot Himmelberg is a chance to join his brother. Um, Elliot's at the Crows at the moment, um, struggles for time, opportunity. Uh, the Giants need some sort of ruck forward type players. He fits the mould. So there's that one that could happen. McAdam still wants to get to Melbourne. The Crows are saying we want Max Gorn in return. Only joking. But that's what they do. The clubs all just posture publicly to look like Um they're going to get a better deal. I remember a deal many years ago with Paddy Ryder going to Port Adelaide. I knew Port had offered two picks the first day. And Rodoro said, no, nah, there's only one pick. So they postured for the whole two weeks and then uh, effectively came back and said, yeah, we've been able to increase the deal to a second pick when that was on the table the full time. So yeah. um, I find this just, you know, it, it creates another world for the AFL, which they love because there's a lot of trading. It follows the American model of, hey, you know, and teams, let's face it, Collingwood did some tough stuff a few years ago. They moved on Brody Grundy. They signed into a massive deal to retain him. Then they had to do their salary cap dumps with you know, Phillips and a few and Trelaw a few years ago. Some big name players and quality players leaving clubs. But this is where you can set yourself up, restructure your salary cap. Um, Graham Wright did that when he came back to Collingwood many years ago. And all of a sudden they win the premiership. Uh, other names that are mentioned to the Crows, uh, Marbia Chow, who uh, I think has got still two years to go. It's amazing. He left Richmond to go to the Gold Coast. Um, now he finds himself with Damien Hardwick coming in. He's now looking to get out. And I think he's got a couple of different options as well. And and even if you look at uh, Port Adelaide, there's people suggesting, I think on 5AA, Stephen Rose suggested the name Ollie Wines could be a rumour to Geelong. Well, I'm not sure it fits the mould. Um, Ollie's form had fallen off significantly um, since his Brownlow year. Uh, he's not playing in the centre square anymore. He's on big dollars and still got three years to go. And I'm looking at where Geelong's got. They've only got pick seven. Um, and yes, they're going to lose Radicalia probably to Port Adelaide, but they want a first-round pick, which is, I think, a bit of delusion there. Um, so as we say, it's all, yeah, it's like dancing with your sister at a wedding. It's a bit awkward. Uh, now, speaking of awkward, you've already mentioned uh, Adrian Dodoro, the uh, footy boss at the Bombers. He's just kind of had that reputation like of everyone in the industry to be the, just the most difficult, hardest to deal with. Now, he's going to be pretty busy, though, Treaders, with, yeah, he's uh, gonna be, with plenty happening. Yeah, there's plenty happening there because uh, Brennan's a Thatcher, former South Australian, wants to move back to Port Adelaide. <laughs> I saw some stats to say that he was the – one-on-ones had the worst ranking of key position players in the comp, and he's, he's yeah. underdone for that position. But he would add to Port Adelaide's depth, which is a massive issue for him at the moment. Um, but Essendon is saying we want a first-round pick for, in return. Well, one, Port doesn't have a first-round pick. Two, he's not worth a first-round pick. And three, as you say, Adrian Dodoro uh, is his last draft in charge before Matt Rosa takes over. He's going out with a bang. He's offending absolutely everyone. Well, we know that the Bombers are into Ben Mackay. Um, that's the next piece of the puzzle because what was originally suggested that he'd go to, you know, he's, he's a restricted free agent. The offer is huge, um, but apparently the offer doesn't tip over uh, at the moment. 
into the first round compensation. So North might actually choose to to um, to match this deal, but I'd also heard reports that North actually hadn't tabled him a deal. So they're effectively saying, go away, um, see what you can get. We're not really interested in your future. We'll take your pick. But now they may need to to change tact. I actually don't think you can get change tact this late. Mm. You know, if it is a second round compensation, it is what it is. Um, but for them to push him out the door to think he's going to get even more money. And, and there's word around that the compensation was around... 780,000 a year plus some incentives. It could be four, I think it'd be five or six year deal, but you needed effectively 800,000. This was a few years ago to trigger that first round compensation. So as we know, the salary cap's going up by 10% next year. There's no way that's going to trigger a first round comp unless uh, people go back to the table and try and formulate a new pay structure. So they do. It just doesn't make sense because North Melbourne want what's best for them, right? And Essendon are going, well, hang on, this guy wants to come on this money. We're not going to increase our offer. We couldn't give a stuff what North Melbourne get out of it. Yeah. So that's where we're caught right now. Um, yeah, look at North Melbourne. You know, Todd Goldstein, 300-game superstar for a multiple Australian best and fairest. He's decided to go to the Bombers on an unrestricted free agent. So it seems as if um, the list manager at the uh, – Kangaroos are going to be doing a few deals with the list manager at the Bombers and lots of discussions going on there. Maybe they, you know, he's an unrestricted free agent, so he can walk there. Maybe there's a little bit of a um, a, a late pick that just keeps both people happy just to increase the value. I don't know, but I'd suspect if I was the Bombers, I'd be going, well, we'll take, we'll take Goldstein for nothing and uh, we'll take Mackay for nothing. If you want to match him, you're left with 800000 on your books and a five- or six-year deal, which effectively they don't want. They want the draft picks and the draft cattle. Well, that's right, Treaders. And, you know, the other big factor looming for North Melbourne is uh, it, it looks like they're going to go pretty hard after pick one if they can because they've got that uh, huge bag of, of draft picks to play with. Yeah, and as we say, there's, there's the AFL's compensation, which I think if, you know, were, everyone was saying it was going to be nine picks, but let's just say it's eight picks over a three-year period. That's how many first-round picks they're going to have in three period. It's huge. And a lot of those are late first-round picks, which you suggest if you want to get into pick one, you're going to have to move some of those and package them up and, and move up the draft, which is going to help them. But if they don't get three young generational stars out of this, then they've kicked an own goal. Because let's face it, the AFL's handed it to them on a platter. I don't agree with it. No, they put themselves in this hole with free agency years ago, topping up, trying to win a flag under Brad Scott. Got close, two prelims, did really well probably with a fourth-ranked team. They come from outside the top four to get in those situations, but in that final four that finished in the prelim week, they, they were the worst team. Um, and, you know, we saw what they did under David Noble. They cut the list too hard. They made decisions on big players. And it's funny, when people want to talk about compensation, I think the Jared Polak five-year deal at 750 finally finishes now. That tells you how they've been an abomination from list management. Oh, my gosh. I completely forgot about that one. That's crazy. Yeah, that's yuck. The um, the other interesting one is uh, Collingwood reportedly making some noises with Brody Grundy now likely to end up at Sydney. The Pies are still paying a, a big chunk of that contract, traders, but they might be looking to to squeeze out of it. Do you reckon that's possible? Uh, this is impossible, not possible, because effectively the deal is done with the player. 
And then people are trying to say, yeah, well, we did the deal with Melbourne, rah, rah, rah. Well, when the player gets paid, and I've had instances where I've spoken to players who are from both clubs and they remember that they were getting paid from one club and then the payment comes through a day later from their old club uh, and it put a smile on their face every time because they signed a long-term bumped-up pay and it didn't work out. But Collingwood's contributing anywhere, probably the 350s, right, but anywhere from quarter of a mil, 250000 to 350000 for Grundy's contract to play at Melbourne. Right, and that, that contract was trimmed a little bit, but it's believed to be about 900000 per year. So the Ds pick up the, the extra. So the, apparently there's a story around that um, Collingwood has asked the question to say, hey, if, if he does then move on from Melbourne, our deal is with Melbourne. Nice try. Laura Kane, who's just come into the AFL um, a few years ago from the Kangaroos, is a lawyer, and she's taken over the head footy portfolio from the AFL. You think she's going to let this roll? And the other part of it, even if she did, do you think Grundy's management's going to let this roll? There's no way in the world this is getting through. This is just ridiculous. Um, Collingwood are on the hook for another four years. Melbourne will be off the hook, and Sydney will be paying that portion maybe a little bit more. Now, Treaders... Uh, we've talked about the AFL grand final thriller. It was uh, pretty wild for the NRL as well. Yeah, this is a, a ripping game of football, as you say. Uh, I watched this one. The Broncos, who I thought, well, Brisbane are going to do the double, so that tells you where my, tip, my tips were going. But Penrith were all over um, the Broncos in the first half, and you think, that, you know, the first part, first half of the first half, um, and then the Broncos lifted to go in um, sort of, with the tails up at uh, at the the break, and then all of a sudden they burst out of the blocks in the second half. They led twenty four to eight, end up losing twenty six to twenty four. Nathan Cleary, the hero, won the Clive Churchill medalist. He was uh, third premiership in a row. Hasn't been done for years upon years upon years for Penrith. So it was brilliant. Um, but on the field, away from it, uh, the ratings were massive. Uh, the nine network, 3.404 million, slightly behind the AFL. Uh, Metro, 1.8 million, and that's behind the AFL's number. Uh, regional was pretty strong, 957,000. I think that was ahead of AFL. And the uh, BVOD streaming market is 607,000. That's compared to the AFL's 420,000. So those streaming numbers are massive, um, and generally numbers are up 28% uh, on last year. So both... Both um, footy codes um, had big wins and they'd be really happy with that. And, and particularly uh, the NRL is potentially going to launch their season in Las Vegas next year. So, um, you know, I think it was a pretty good spectacle. The best two teams played off and uh, arguably the team that finished top again, the best team won, very much like the AFL. Now, Treaders, over to netball. And, uh, yeah, things just unfortunately seem to be going from bad to worse in terms of uh, the management of the sport. So as it stands right now, Australian netballers, uh, those from the, the Super Netball League, they're officially unemployed because Netball Australia and the Players Association have failed to come uh, come up with a deal by the deadline, which was on September 30. So right now, it's uh, very ugly. Yeah, this is... Uh, this is something that sort of happened 10, 15 years to go. Remember, there were lockouts, there were pay disputes. It rarely gets to this stage. Even you know, more recently, the AFL, before they struck their new deal, oh, we're not sure the way things are going. But Nepal stunk for a while. And, and I'm not talking about the players. I'm not talking about the quality of the product. I'm talking about how they're governed and how, how their decision makers make decisions. You know, I remember it wasn't so long ago that they were about to head off to a World Cup. 
and they wanted them to sign a proviso that this will be the new pay deal if you go and do this, this and this. Hang on, no. Like, how can I be in a situation where every player, league player, is officially unemployed? Does that mean also, too, that every um, CEO or admin staff working in netball around Australia is unemployed? No, it doesn't. It's just because the people that put on the show, the girls, don't have a contract. This is just stupidity at its at its highest. All 80 roster spots still up for grabs. No contracts are will be offered until the new pay deal is signed. They're projecting over the next three years $7.5 million in losses. This is the same governing body that rejected Gina Reinhardt's cash and they wanted her to apologise for something her dad had said 20 or 30 years earlier and then decided to take up Dan Andrews' cash and Victoria's cash uh, as a major sponsor. They've also done a deal where they kept the grand final in Melbourne for that period of time. Now, because Adelaide won recently, they're now going to um, shoot it off to Adelaide next year. Like, it, it's just they're making decisions from right in front of their face. I get it. I'm not with the one with the gun in my head trying to work this out. But surely you become fair and reasonable, get the deal done, try and make it work and go from there and be fair and reasonable. But instead of just saying, no, 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 we can't afford to, right now you don't have a game. If you don't have a game, no one's getting employed. The clubs will fold. There'll be an even bigger issue. If you can't strike a fair and reasonable agreement now to push the game forward, how do you think you're going to get rid of that $7.5 million losses that are projected over the next three years? How are you going to do grassroots when AFLW, Cricket Australia with their women's programs and all the other sports, particularly Matildas, are hitting the ground running, going after your next generation of players? It's just an absolute own goal. It's a yep. stinker. Well, I hope for the sake of the the players and the future of the sport, they can uh, find a way through very quickly. Now, Treaders, uh, NBL season is away, and the uh, the league flew out Scotty Pippen, the uh, the Bulls legend, um, and he's actually revealed that he almost signed on to coach the Sydney Kings a few years ago. Yeah, well, and this is all off the back of Luke Longley, who's a part owner of the Kings, also Andrew Bogut. Uh, Pippen is great mates with his former Bulls championship teammate in Luke Longley. Obviously, they won three together. Pippen won six, in a, yeah, six not in a row, but there was a year break in between. Uh, yeah, he was in town to uh, kick off the NBL season with some appearances at the AFL and NRL, good cross-promotes. Um, but, yeah, imagine that if he came to the uh, Sydney Kings many years ago. The, I guess it wasn't money. I guess it was an opportunity. The one thing that really spooked him, he talked about, was the COVID mess that spooked him. Uh, that was the reason why uh, he didn't sign. And you go back three years, that was on the eve of COVID. That was in worldwide lockdowns. That was in vision of everyone, people dropping dead in the streets, uh, all this sort of stuff. So the scare factor was massively real. And, um, and for him, it was a situation, and hang on, what, so I've never been to Australia before? And I'm going to take a job in COVID. I can understand why he probably didn't rush at it at that stage. That's right. Now, also, traders, we've got some uh, news uh, with the Australian Open uh, changing their approach slightly. Yeah, well, it's only a slight approach. And there's two angles to this. Um, and I think both are smart. One, there's a financial angle. And two, there's a um, scheduling angle. The Australian Open for the first time uh, will start on a Sunday and have an extra day of play. Uh, when the Grand Slam returns to Melbourne early next year. Tennis Australia um, is set to announce uh, that there will be an earlier start than ever with extra sessions to be run and also events running for 15 days of competition as opposed to 14 days. So the old school was at the start on a Monday morning or Monday lunchtime for your um, 
for your your scheduling. They're going to go a day before. The reason why there's been constant complaints from players and fans, and we remember some of those games that finish at 2, 2 a.m. in the morning, um, not great for fans, not great for players' recovery, um, not great for uh, broadcasters who who wants to be up watching tennis at 2 in the morning as something heads into the fifth set. Um, so Australian Open director Craig Tiley has said that the extra day that they're going to add is going to give fans an extra day of unbelievable tennis, entertainment, food, and family and fun. So what they're doing is they're just they're smelling one an opportunity. They're listening, which we can accuse big sporting clubs and teams many times of not listening uh, to their fan base. But I think this adds up. Sunday night, first night, what are people going to do? Oh, that now throws a spanner in the works for cricket because that's another competitive night. A Sunday night is a big TV night. Why not put some big name qualify or big name teams and uh, uh, players up on the on that night on centre court? They can play more games now undercover um, at, at Rod Laver Arena, Margaret Court Arena, and John Kane Arena. So that'll go from forty seven matches undercover to fifty two. So that then takes away the element of uh, weather in those games. Um, and the French Open did this uh, a few years ago, so they're pretty much just following the tack there. And I think it's a good good idea. One, you get better eyeballs. Right, better for your sponsors, better for the fans, and they're also going to cut down those restricted late night games. Which, let's face it, how many people watch? You know, it, it falls away once it gets too late in the night. It's a smart move. Now, traders, obviously, we you know we were talking before about the uh, the uh, ongoing struggles for netball. I've got the same nervousness, to be honest, about soccer in Australia. I always have uh, another massively high potential sport that hasn't really hit its straps uh to its full potential in australia now there's just a few concerns about a league ownership in particular now it's currently run by the australian professional leagues the ceo is reportedly on his way out so danny townsend apparently has a big money offer to go to the go to the middle east like just about everyone else in in soccer it seems yeah, um, and it's just very poor timing. The the ten Paramount broadcast deal was a fail. Clubs are struggling for money as they have for a long time. To be honest, fans very unhappy. I'm particularly concerned because this should be a growth period. We're coming, you know, the Socceroos did well. Then we had the Matildas really hit their straps and completely set up a, an enormous opportunity for soccer in Australia. And now we've got these these problems that still remain with the local league? Well, th this is the bit, and, and there's a discussion now with people go, well, should we return these licences or the league be returned under Football Australia's banner? Well, it became under the Australian Professionals Leagues because Football Australia was running the competitions, right? But then they're also running junior participation. They're also running the Socceroos. They're also running Matildas. So there's too much on their hands. Um you like a netball and soccer very similar. The difference is soccer's got a multi-million dollar deal off the back of great work on the A-League in the past. Well, there's no way they're getting a new deal anywhere like this. The 10 Paramount deal hasn't worked for 10 and Paramount, and it hasn't worked for the A-League. Um, you know, the Fox Sports deal they used to have worked for the A-League. Yes, I know it was restricted to Foxtel, but their quality coverage was better. Um you know, obviously, the more money you spend on a broadcast deal, it restricts how much you can spend with talent. Um, and we've seen that with the A-League's coverage of it. Um, and, and how many, you've got also got to bear in mind, too, when you're one of those teams on the, well, competitions on the cusp, what are you going to spend your money on? 
I know what I do in this house. Like you talk about the Netflix, the Disney's, the Stan, all those different ones. People, if they can afford it, can have maybe one, maybe two. But that's two on entertainment. That's mad. I have Fox um, satellite coverage, so I pay about seventy bucks a month or a bit more. But I do that because I want Fox Footy and I want Fox Cricket coverage. I think it's you know arguably it's a better product, less ads, all that sort of stuff, more insight. But how many people in that position to afford that? Am I then going to go, yeah, I like A-League? I'd watch A-League in the summer when it was on Fox. I don't watch A-League now. Why? Because I then have to sign up to 10 Paramount. How many things can I sign up for? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's ridiculous. You know, you can sign up to your, your nine streaming or your seven streaming because it's free, but the 10 streaming end or the Paramount deal, you either sign up for it you know, download the app or then you have to pay for your admittance. Yeah, you know, I used to love the English Premier League when it was on Fox. Um, now it's not on Fox. I don't watch the games live at all because of that situation because how much can you spend on, on live sport and live entertainment? It, it just yeah. adds up. And you look at comparison to Melbourne, uh, sorry, to uh, netball. Netball and soccer both have huge participation, massive participation. But they both may, maybe need to get their heads together and go, how can we turn this into an end product? Because at the moment, it's not turning into a lucrative league, which it should be from their participation levels from grassroots. You know, it, it's it's a massive challenge because if, if you look at it, Australia is great worldwide. Ange Postacoglu is doing great at Tottenham. We're going to touch on a second, Kevin Musket. Um, you know, th- these types of legends have gone very well. But if unless they get the grassroots flowing into the competition, then they're always going to be those tier below and they're always going to have those struggles on who owns them because it's going to rely on millionaires and billionaires to buy teams for feel-good factor because they don't make money out of it. And as you were saying, it's not through lack of talent. It was the same with netball, you know, best yeah. <laughs> best in the world. World champions. And, and then great great talent with soccer as well. And as you say, even, even the managers and, and coaches are, are top-tier talent. Yeah, and and then we move on slightly. But um, Kevin Musket uh, is current manager at Yokohama F Mar- Marinos, and that's um, that's a, one of the uh, City Group teams. So uh, obviously, Coach Melbourne Victory. Um, he is now in the running for the uh, Rangers job in Scotland because Rangers have gone something like through eleven managers in six years. Uh, one year they had Stephen Gerrard, and they beat Celtic um, and dominated. And then Ange Postecoglou comes in. Uh, and then obviously wins the last two titles. Now, Brendan Rogers, former Liverpool and um, Leicester City manager, has taken back at Celtic. So, um, uh, Rangers are looking for a, a, a new manager so early in the season, and they've turned to another Australian. Everyone's talking about Kevin Musk potentially to leave Yokohama and then to head there and to follow Ange's lead. Ange 2.0. That would be yeah, right. Could be. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Trent, is there some. Uh some big issues brewing over in the Premier League at the moment with the VAR. Yeah, well, even Ange Postacoglu, we touch on them. Um, Spurs broke Liverpool's undefeated run with a 2-1 win at the start of the season, but it was all controversial. Uh, in the 34th minute, Liverpool's Diaz put the ball in the net, but was wrongly flagged for being offside. The video assistant referee, VAR, however, failed to override the decision. Liverpool now has vowed to take it even further, saying the sporting integrity has been undermined. I've also seen reports this morning that they're actually asking for the audio tapes between the the, uh, the referees and the uh, VAR assistant to see what was discussed or how it was discussed. So it's messy. It's millions of dollars in the case. But even Ange Postacoglu after the game, um, I, I liked his take. He effectively said, you know what, 
VAR is not foolproof. VAR is going to still make mistakes, but VAR is better than what we previously had. So easy to say when some could say that when he's 1-2-1, but the reality of the situation is nothing is proven. You know, we've even seen it with the AFL. It was only, it cost the Crows a spot in the finals because, you know, what the naked eye saw on one camera was different to what the naked eye saw on the other camera. Um, and I think once you have technology, it's always going to fail, but it's better than the alternative. Yep, for sure. And we've been following the business of Inter-Miami since uh, Lionel Messi jumped on board. Now, for the first time, we're hearing that maybe a few fans aren't all that happy. Uh, we were reading, I think a, a, one of the fans put up a tweet saying he he had his season ticket package. It was uh, US almost seven grand for the year. So, you know. Cool. Fairly expensive, and this is uh, a temporary. This is a temporary stadium too. Yeah, until they but, get their new one. You know, he's obviously a fan. He's happy to pay for it. This is uh, in 2022. Now uh, he has been offered to retain the same seats. Uh, the The price has gone up just slightly. Thirty thousand uh, dollars. Thirty. Uh, Thirty thousand six hundred dollars. That's, that's just, numbers. That's that's a ridiculous increase. Yeah. So he's gone from almost seven grand to thirty grand. Three times your money, isn't it? Yeah, more. And 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 rightly, the fan is saying this surely makes uh, into Miami the most expensive season tickets in the world. Maybe maybe Messi mania is just getting a little bit out of control. Well, maybe that's his cut. Remember the revenue raises that we talked about (laughs) and the TV deals. That's maybe his cut, but that that's utterly ridiculous. But then, you know, once Messi retired, they're not thinking about this now. How do they maintain that simple, what, are they going to get Ronaldo over or are they going to get uh, Mbappe over? They're going to have to just keep having superstars there to justify those prices. But that increases. That's ridiculous. Yeah, they've got to strike a balance because... What's that, $23,000 increase for tickets? Yeah. And and this is the challenging thing, right, because we know that Absolutely, you bring in Messi, and you got to maximise the the commercial opportunity while you've got him. But you can literally price out the average fan that they want to keep long term at these prices. It's it's quite literally only business leaders and celebrities are going to be able to afford to go to games, and that's yeah, that's not and, good and for this anyone. Is, and I agree, and this is short sighted because yeah, you know, what's the average ticket? Yeah, you know, we were seeing in the hundreds, so it's clearly these person's tickets are pretty pretty prime premium yep. tickets so yeah you'd expect the bump in that but as you say if you don't make it affordable for the fan it quickly falls away and you get you know look at some of the a-league look at some of the other sports you know when rugby uh, union players or wallabies play they're not full stadiums you know their, their performances aren't justifying full stadiums and that is the challenge heading forward but you know money is just going bunter at the moment because you know, Apple's reportedly pushing, and we know the Apple deal was which is involved in the messy deal with Adidas to get him there. But Apple's now reportedly pushing for a global, that's right, global F1 broadcast rights. So they're looking about two billion US a year. That's double the current arrangement. Um and it's going to be a bit complex to pull off because the F1 has you know, a mix of providers uh, with various contracts coming out at various times. So, but Apple's strategy is all or nothing in sport. Exclusive rights are not at all. But it'd be hard for the F1s to go, hey, let's let's ignore this because, as you say, the, the Aussie deal is different to the European deal, which is the North America, South America, uh, Asia, 
uh, all those different zones are all doing different deals at different times. But this would probably be more appealing because mm. if you go with one broadcaster, you're clearly going to get a premium because you're alienating all your other broadcasters. But if they're going to double the deal to US $2 billion a year, which is double the deal, then um, maybe they'll look to pay out contracts of the others yeah. um, and come to a negotiation so they can just do a full blanket deal worldwide. And Formula One is super hot right now, like particularly in the US. Like it's absolutely blowing up this huge growth to come. Apple's obviously seeing it. And it's interesting they're all or nothing strategy. They don't want to share with other broadcasters, which comes back to your point of, you know, the Paramount issue and not wanting to have, you know, another subscription. It's actually one of the big problems like over here in the States where I am, it's it's really hard to watch sport because there's so many different providers. You can't just, you know, subscribe to one channel and get all your NFL. Like, you know, now there's Sunday ticket, Amazon and you know, it's it's really difficult. And then you've got your NBA and then you've got all your other sports and then they're spread across all these different um, broadcasters. It's becoming increasingly difficult. It's just like another cable almost. Yeah. And um, not only is it expensive, it's it's really hard to, to manage. So hoping that there'll be some kind of consolidation that will start to happen. Yeah, it would be great. You know, you ask many family households and how many can afford it, particularly with cost of living crisis we're experiencing here in Australia with energy prices and everything going through the roof, property prices, the whole lot. But if you could be all encompassed and have a sport entertainment package of paying 200 bucks a month, people would probably do it. 300 bucks a month. I don't know. Because if you then imagine at a world where you've got all your entertainment, Netflix sport, so to speak, and you got every professional sport there was worldwide to watch, stream anything, anytime, any place, anywhere. Well, that would be the the blanket, but they all want a piece of the puzzle because um, as we saw the streaming numbers, the little old Australia were through the roof. Um, and, and that is where they can cut and dice it like better before for broadcasters because, you know, what is just produced for the one lot of content can be pushed out many times. Social media, um, streaming live, streaming on free to air, streaming on pay, like it, it just gets messy and messy and messier. But uh, as we talk about messy, the NBA has had their little bit of Damien Lillard's exit. There's word around now that um, his move uh, could have broken team rule, uh, sorry, broken league rules. Um, eight players, three team deal, public statements that led to the warning. From, an, from the NBA on July 29, threatening discipline if Lillard or his, his agent, should I say, continue interfering with Portland's trade talks. And and things were ugly. And this is all off the back of a journo uh, named Haynes that Portland asked Lillard to sit out the final 10 games of the 2023, 2022-23 regular season to help the franchise improve its lottery odds. So obviously that's the lottery pick, so to effectively throw games. He was told the higher the draft pick, the better chance they had of using the pick to facilitate a trade for a proven veteran player. He reluctantly agreed to being shut down, citing a calf injury. Well, this is a massive ramification because obviously his eight-player, three-team deal has just gone through and he's left Portland. If he's found to have committed this, this is a major NBA rules violation breach. Um and a report which LarryBrownSports.com has reported 
something like this is enough for the league to open an investigation into the Blazers for allegedly fabricating a calf injury for Lillard, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Talk about when things don't end well, you know. This, this was all, hey, I want to get to Miami, but they're saying, well, we want to do the best deal possible. He's going, well, facilitate an injury to sit out, the allegation, to get you to where you want to go. Um, doesn't end up getting to where he wants to go and now faces a uh, potential investigation for rules breaching and, and violation. Well, I think we'll be uh, talking a lot more uh, about this as as it continues to play out and we get more details. And uh, it's just as ugly for the 76ers as well. They just started training and their superstar, James Harden, as expected, was a no-show treaders. He's been pushing for a trade and there's a lot of bad blood. I mean, you know, particularly when he, uh, I think about a month ago, he publicly called his team president a liar. That's not going to go down too well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, no coincidence, there's no traction on the move then. Yeah, no traction. No one wants him. So what do you do? Well, the thing is, too, like how many other teams are going to sit there and go, hey, we're going to go and get this bloke? You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you look at his Houston days where he was dominant, superstar of the comp, MVP, then he pushes and ag- sides a long-term deal, I think, by memory, agitates for a move to Brooklyn to go up and pair up with Irving and Durant, go this super team, that falls apart. Now he finds himself at the 76ers, you know, it's all just agitate, move, agitate, move. But he's not spring chicken anymore. Yeah. He might find himself shipped to Saudi Arabia the way he's going. Yeah, well, he'd get paid well if they if they decide to start a basketball league because their soccer league's dominating. But talk about others that are dominating. Major League Baseball attendance records, total attendance of 70.75 million, up 9.6% increase. That is huge. They expected an uplift of between 6 and 8%, but 96 is better than that. Uh, it's the best year-on-year increase since 1993. That is huge. It is. Uh, there's probably only one person in the world who could uh, see that increase even more uh, if she got behind it, and that's Taylor Swift. Now, oh. Tredis, I know you're a big Swifty. Oh, uh, Swifties. Have you got? Is it got any Taylor Swift fans in your family? Uh, yeah. When my daughter was really young, she went off at like six to see a concert. She thought she was seeing Taylor Smith, um, but yeah, not really, not not Swifty anymore. But um, yeah, th- this is just a bogus relationship, isn't it? So, what? Well, t- tell us what's happening. What's his name? You love the Travis Kels. Yeah, Kels. He's a, he's an NFL player. Yeah, she's just, and it just shows how. Uh, economically powerful she is as a superstar. There's rumoured to be a relationship between these two. Um, it started a couple of weeks ago. She rocked up to the player's partner's box and was sitting with his Travis's mum. Um, and all of a sudden, it's just gone absolutely bunter. You know? yeah. It was a stage that Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively and uh, Hugh Jackman, I was a young Hugh Jackman, were in the box and celebrating with Taylor Swift at one of his games. Um, according to a sportswear and fan merchandise company, The Fanatics, Kelsey was one of the five top-selling NFL players last week. Um, they saw a 400% spike in sales throughout the Fanatics network and sites. Ticket prices to the Chiefs games have been up around three times on reseller sites, and this is the Chiefs who've got Patrick Mahomes. So it's not like... Um, it's a team that's battling for PR. They've already got the best man and who's who's um, 
led these, his franchise to two Super Bowl championships. Um, and this is all, all these prices have gone up like three times, as I said, and that was the day after the footage of uh, Swift and Kelsey went to air. Um, he picked another 300,000 Instagram followers. Just like that. This I smells to me like when J-Lo and P. Diddy got together in the early 2000s. I smelled a rat and I'm smelling a rat here. This is all convenience. This is a relationship by financial convenience. There's no love here, mate. No love. I mean, I know you're a bit of a romantic, so I can tell that you're you're a bit upset by this. But but this is sports business at its highest level. I'm actually impressed. What what I reckon is- At what level do you sell out? You know, why don't we? I think we should bring Marty Pask back on the show and say, Marty, have you ever stitched up like a, a commercial relationship for your players? Go, okay, look, you know, this is going to be great for your brand. We'll bring your brand together. We'll combine and we're going to orchestrate, you know, a 400% spike in sales. We'll split the rev. You know, if we do this deal, then Travis is going to get an extra do they, 300k. Do they, have to, do they have to sleep in separate beds or the main bed? No, they probably just <laughs> meet in an office. Once it a might week. be legit. Sorry, my skepticism on this whole thing. It could be legit. It could be an amazing relationship where they get married and have five kids and a beautiful house in wherever she lives now. Where's she from? Kentucky. Oh, no. I don't know. I'm just making it up. But the, but the but, sharks are circling. You know, classic. You know, Shark Tank legend, billionaire, Dallas Mavs owner mark cubans of course he's raised eyebrows he's saying taylor sorry if you're listening travis break up with him i've got a bunch of good-looking single guys that play for the mavericks <laughs> of course of course well, he, he's well he's seen the financial you know kick isn't he you know what i mean like it's yeah yeah you know, even fox has broadcasted this uh, chiefs bears game averaged 24.32 million views um over most of that weekend that came after fox's cameras i talked about before they saw swift who was sitting in the arrowhead stadium suite with kelsey's family during the game like it's yeah maybe it is serious and maybe i've got to give love love a chance give love a chance (laughs) we we haven't ended the podcast on that note before so that's a first Over and out. chance. I'm not sure. I'll be watching. I reckon that it's a fraud. It's a joke. Don't fall for it, people. All right. Thank you for listening and to get all the details, including the breakdown of uh, the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey impact, uh, just sign up at www.thebigdeal.au and we'll give you all the details straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Big Deal. Before you go, Don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.